0: The Athletic, the new home of football. Hello,
1: welcome to the United We Stand podcast. Uh, I'm standing outside Sheffield Hallam University. It's just outside the station, actually, and just walked past the Howard pub. An interesting train journey from, from Piccadilly to Sheffield, absolutely rammed, sat next to a... I don't want to be rude to this, this lady, but probably a 70-, 80-year-old woman, Liverpool fan. And she, she came around to the idea of liking United fans by the end of the journey once we gave her... Gave her a can. Uh, plenty of United fans on there, absolutely ram Some people left behind at Piccadilly. Sure, they'll eventually make it on another train. <laughs> there's there's three away pubs on one street in Sheffield. There's the Howard, just walking past the Globe now, and then uh, and then up to the Graduate. So uh, plenty of dispersion around the pubs, and will uh, all of them will kick off in the in the next hour or so. Uh, it's about three four hours till kick off. I think most of the United fans have, have started to make their way down. Plenty of them are here already. A few driving down will probably be half an hour, an hour or so. And it's, it's nice to be back after the international break, uh, which, isn't, which isn't something the United fans have been able to say for for a while. Um, there's been some gloomy spells going into international breaks, coming out of them. Particularly the last one in, in October when we came out, we knew we were playing Liverpool. Some reason there was some confidence there from United fans there shouldn't have been, but as it turns out, we we drew one-one, but we went into that thinking, "Shit, here we here we go again." Might be time for a change of manager, and I guess the the sacking of Pochettino means there is a an added element of pressure over over Solskjaer's head. But I think that's one that he he personally won't be worrying about too much. I don't think United's board will be worrying about that too much yet, at least. But it does mean that the next loss. The next draw, the next last-minute equaliser that the other team gets will be instantly the focus will be on should Solskjaer be replaced with Mauricio Pochettino. And that is uh, it's unfortunate for Ole Solsha, Solskjaer, but we come to Sheffield today, the first United game at Bramwell Lane since 2006. There's a lot of people excited to, to return to this, this city, this stadium, to play there once again. There's a lot of people who have been paying well over the odds for the ticket. There's been some going for 100, 200 quid. And some mental lunatics playing that kind of price, uh, and, and a lot of other people have just been working for the last two weeks to try and try and find a ticket off one of their mates. Give a favour for a favour. Some have even swapped a uh, City away for this Sheffield United away ticket. So it's a it's a sought after ticket. Uh, there's a lot of United fans that will appreciate being here today. Four thirty Sunday kickoff. Not too long of a journey here or back. So it should be a, a great atmosphere in the, in the away end at Bramwell Lane. We'll be talking to a, a couple of Sheffield United fans, a few United fans, and hopefully it's a, a win for United. I don't think that many people are, are, are that confident that United will win today. This is a, a very good Sheffield United side. A Sheffield United side that is deservedly fifth, near the top of the table. I think Man City are nearer to, to Sheffield United than they are to Liverpool at the top of the league and United certainly are behind Sheffield United and Chris Wilder's done a fantastic job and it's, uh, this is a manager who supported the club as a kid, has come in and taken them from, from the Football League to the Premier League and this is their first season with him at the helm and in the Premier League and, and he's he's doing a fantastic job, United have got their own connections with with this club, Oliver Norwood's the ex-United youth player is a captain, Dean Henderson the goalkeeper is on loan from United, he won't play today but he's He's learned a lot while on loan at Sheffield United in the Championship last year in the Premier League this year. So this is a club that I think most people admire this year and certainly over the past as well. And uh, it'll prove a really difficult challenge for United. Arsenal have been beaten here. Liverpool really struggled here. And, and if it wasn't for a rare mistake from Dean Henderson, then Liverpool would have drawn here, potentially lost. Um, so this, this will be a tricky one, but... You've got to hope that the, the forward line of, of Marshall up front with Rashford on the left and, and the quick Dan James on the right will, will have a good impact against this Sheffield United defence and, and leave us, I think there's about 2,500, 3,000 of us leave us coming away with, with a smile on our face. Right, we're outside the, uh, the visiting end at uh, Bramall Lane with Anthony Shawcross selling United. We stand for uh, what much be uh, a millionth time What's your what's your best memories of, of selling the mag outside away ends home ends wherever?
2: Um, I reckon if if I had to think about it, there's there's been pre seasons they're normally quite good they sell well. Um, the best one ever was Scandinavia I reckon we sold outside a friendly in Oslo, and um, I had to I didn't have much money at the time. And obviously when you arrive in Oslo, everything's really expensive. So I managed to get 400 mags from Terminal Three. Across to um, Scandinavia in hand luggage. There was loads of people on the plane that helped me out, like taking fifty and you know each, and then got them all back at the other end. And then. I was
1: going to say, what, what yeah. else did you have in your luggage? Yeah.
2: Well, the <laughs> other thing I did is um, I bought all my meals in boots at Manchester Airport on the way out. So like two days worth of meals. So that's because that's all I could afford at the time. So um, I'd, I ended up with like soggy sandwiches on the second day, but luckily Andy was there and um, he bought me some. He treated me to some chicken wings on the way home. Um, Took all, took um, 50% of the commission and treated me some chicken wings <laughs> in the Hard Rock Cafe in Oslo. So, yeah, that was probably the best one. <laughs> I know. I mean, there's
1: there's been some rainy days, there's been some shit days, but are there any that stick out as, as particularly particularly bad selling them mag outside Old Trafford?
2: Oh yeah, I mean, we've got. There was one before Christmas last year against Bournemouth where it was. Um, I looked on my phone and it was it was snowing, and I was on um, Salford End bridge which is. Obviously, got the um, canal underneath it, so it was quite bad. Like you get, you get the breeze off that, and it's really cold. And when I got home, I was looking at the weather forecast, and it was um it, it said it was like minus two, but it felt like minus seven, and it did. It felt every bit of that. So um, I ended up, you know, three hours outside after working all day. Those are the shit times, yeah. And then when you, you obviously sell it less as well, so yeah. you never get the same pay either. Do
1: you remember your first game selling it?
2: My first game selling, I think it was about 2005. I was a reader for years before that, but um, I started selling in about 2005 just after the um, takeover. Um, Andy needed. And I used to go on the um, United We Stand Forum, but it was rivals back in the day. And um, I saw uh, Andy on there begging for sellers, and um, I just took it up. And then a couple of years later, I um, ended up sorting, sorting it out because he's, he's always in nicer places than Old Trafford, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: And, I mean, there's there's so many people who, who come up to me when I've been selling on the stratford M bridge and go, oh, I used to sell that for, for 50p and that. And it's it's nice, everyone kind of coming over for a chat and, and all of that. That must yeah. be the,
2: the nicest bit of it over the years. Yeah, I mean, these people like who come and talk to you, and I've talked to them for years and years now, and, but they can, you don't even know who they are or where they're from, what their names are, but you just know them because they come and talk to you. Yeah. And it's just happened over the years, and... Good in a way because you know there's a lot of people that are friendly to the fanzine, a lot of people that contribute to it, a lot of people that just buy it, which is um, always appreciated. And um, you know it's it's a really important thing for a football team. I, I see other clubs and I uh, speak to um, friends whose clubs don't have fanzines and they they sort of wish they did have. So you know we should appreciate it a bit, especially because we've got two good ones here. Yeah. yeah. I know. I mean, you must have sold plenty
1: of times next to or, or near enough Barney from Red News as well. And it's, he, I think, I think United is special in that way. And there's, there's a couple of new ones that pop up every year now. Reddish, is has gone, but there's a few that come and go. And I think, I think for me, when I was growing up, coming to Old Trafford, you got that part part of the experience was hearing someone going "New United, we stand out today." And, and I guess it, it's pretty special looking back. From 30 years from where it started, it's, it's a pretty special thing to be part of the matchday experience for so many people.
2: Yeah, and I had I had an older brother, so you know he he sort of got into fanzines before me, so I probably got into them before my time was to because you start reading what he's buying and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, United have had three great fanzines over the years, and you know we, we read issues no longer, but it, it was obviously a great read, weren't it? And they all have the they all have come at it from different angles as well, which I find quite refreshing. Yeah. And the, the, the best match, forgetting the the obvious ones of the
1: Nou Camp, Moscow, whatever, but the, the best match from a, a point of view that isn't just United winning the trophy, what's been the best away or, or home day for you
2: over the last 20, 30 years? 20, 30 years, oh. Um, I mean, one, one of my favourite aways was Stoke in two thousand and ten. Um, we It, it tend to, tended to be one of those games where... Um, it tends to be one of those games where all your friends get tickets you know like um, you don't you don't travel and you know we want to see your friends you travel with all your friends and there's um, actually a famous pitcher when Hernandez got the winner and um, that, that's um, you know all, all my friends are on that and it's, it's brilliant to see cheers pal sorry just selling up mag thanks mate oh sorry I'll give you an extra quid there cheers pal so yeah so um, that was a good one and th- the thing is it was a bit back to the wall as well because I think it was the week where Rooney handed in a transfer request and um, there was a real spirit about United where it was just like, you know, we don't. It was a city we're on our coattails and stuff, but I think United needs to get a bit of that back, you know, togetherness and we don't care, you know, we're going to support them anyway, unconditional support. And I think that would be good to see, especially during a season now where they need it most. I, I, I
1: bumped into Michael Carrick the other week and he was saying how the, the support has just gone up a level since since Moyes and Van Haal and Marino and now Solskjaer. Yeah. What, what are you predicting for today's game? I'll let you
2: sell a mag. But <laughs> um, sorry, um, I think I think we'll win today. I think we'll um, two two goal two goal win. Something like that. I think. Um, cheers, pal. I think um, so. It's obviously our an game, and we're missing McTominay, aren't we? But um, I think sorry, trying to sell and get interviewed at the same time. For, yeah. Three pound, please, mate. Yeah, thank you. Cheers, pal. Yeah, enjoy the mag, So, um, so yeah, it's, it's quite. We're missing McTominay, but. I do think we'll have enough to beat Sheffield United, and I, I do think that you know we're in November now, and we need we need our second away win of the season in the league. Quite desperate, yeah. Right, I'll let you go on and sell some out. bags properly. I've,
1: yeah. I found a Sheffield United fanzine which has started this season, and we're celebrating our 30th anniversary. and It's nice to see a, a fanzine kicking off their their lifetime in in 2019 2020 season, which is which is rare. I mean. Introduce yourself. Introduce the the Blades fanzine.
3: Uh, yeah, so I'm Mark Swift. Um, I I co-edit this and design this um, with a friend, George Battersby. And to be honest, it was his idea from the start. He wanted the nostalgicness of the fanzine to be able to hold something we didn't want to do all the online stuff because you know everyone's got a blog out there you've got all your analytics stuff we wanted to go down the the fanzine route for the nostalgic reasons um, and me being a designer a graphic designer by trades uh, it just made complete sense so yeah so we thought we'd kick it off um, and also donate the profits to charity as well because it was never a money-making um you know job if you like How, how's it going so far are, are people taking it to well yeah, really well, really well. So we uh, we started off online just selling the subscriptions um, and we we just got under our target and then we just had to start selling outside the ground. So obviously that's really sort of taken it off. Uh, but the, the one thing we're really appreciative of is the feedback that we get from people yeah. um, and the amount of ex-Blades that want to get involved. So, you know, yeah. in this issue, we've got an interview with Carl Bradshaw. We've got, we've done an interview with Chris Porter and then we've got, you know, the likes of Dean Windass and such lined up as well. Um, but that's really great for them to, you know, sort of spare even ten minutes of their time.
1: So, is, as has there been fanzines sold out here from another fanzine that have, have folded in the past, or is it just not a thing that Sheffield United have done in over the years?
3: Yeah, it's interesting because there are a couple of United fanzines out. Just there's one, uh, there's one called Den Blades, but I mean they're not. I wouldn't personally describe them as a fanzine. They are much more of a book annual that you get sort of. I think every yeah, every quarter. Um, And, you know, the sort of the prices that they they charge are because of how good and how thick and quality it is. So it's not your typical fanzine that would stand outside the ground on a cold, wet Tuesday night (laughs) selling, you know, because it just wouldn't happen. Then there's another one that's online, um, Sheffield United Supporters Independent Supporters Association, and they just do it all online. It's completely free. Um, So, yeah, so there are actually quite a few. There's just none that's ever targeted sort of selling outside the ground, um, and that's the market that we saw, so we've, we've gone for it.
1: Sheffield United this season is... I mean, coming into the Premier League with Chris Wilder, a Sheffield United fan, as manager. I mean, whatever the results against United, Liverpool, Arsenal, whatever, even, even if you hadn't won some of those games, if you haven't played well in those, those, those games must be special when you see Wilder on the touchline managing your football team in the Premier League.
3: Yeah, I mean, there, are, there aren't enough superlatives out there to, to keep describing this squad. You know, it's, it's not just the way that we play and how we play and the tactics that we put out there. It's, it's the players that we're doing it with. You know, we're doing it with the likes of Billy Sharp, who's homegrown. You know, we've got Chris Basham, who was part of our worst ever finish for, since we were in the fourth division. And he's, you know, really impressive in the Premier League. And every single person just up their level all the time. And it's, it's the fact that, you know, all right, we might have spent £17 million on Ollie McBurnie, but he sits on the bench, you know. The, the most sort of money that we've got on a player is £10 million in Mousse. And it's, it's the sort of, you know, it's that camaraderie between the players, the band of brothersness that we've got that, you know, sort of allows us to enjoy it even, even more. Because there's no, you know, there's no prima donnas. There's, there's no big names out there. You know, they're all fighting to try and get their first international caps, which has happened recently for a few of them. Um, and, you know, it's sort of all that connection between the players and the fans that, you know, no one's come in just to pick up a wage or anything like that.
1: Is, is that the, the reason for the success of the last... Three, four, five years—is—is it—is it that unity and the, and the bond that Chris Wilder's created, or is it—is there, there something more that we have to say about him as a manager and these players?
3: Um, I mean, without wanting to discredit the players too much, no manager has ever been able to get it out of them previously. Like, like I said, Basham was in our worst ever ever team; couldn't get it. So Wilder—it's it's man management. It's the way that—and also one thing that no one ever really talks about is—it's the backroom staff. Um, you know the likes of Alan Nil, who's our assistant coach, and he's the one that's on the corners, he's on the free kicks, and we defend them great, and we, and we, you know, get some goals from them. But also conditioning the players. We could turn around and say, in the past two, three seasons, we've been really lucky to not have any major injuries, like Norwich have expect, you know, experienced this season. We've not had that. Now, I don't think that's down to luck. I think, I think that's purely down to conditioning and keeping the players, you know, d- disciplined. Even even when they're not playing or when there's an international break, he keeps them disciplined so that. You know they're always in tip-top condition, so they're not going to pull a hammy or anything like that. Obviously, you might break a leg. You know, you might you might roll your ankle, but you know, in terms of your muscle injuries, we don't experience them. And I would say that that's down to the backroom staff. So yeah, so I think collectively it's it's all of the staff together and the way that we've uh, built this squad.
1: Were, were you here back in I think it was 2006, November 2006 or something when United last came?
3: Yeah, yeah, I was. I go home in away. Um, so yeah, so I remember Keith Gillespie with an absolute sublime header. Past Van der who, you know, I mean, he's one of the best keepers that we've ever seen, and, and if he can't stop that sort of header, you know it's a good header. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I do not think it was, was it Rooney with a brace yeah. and you won 2-1. Um, so yeah, so I was here. I was obviously a lot younger at the time, but uh, no, I still still remember the heartbreak of uh, of you guys somehow not beating West Ham as well, <laughs> or even drawing on the last game of the season, but there you go.
1: Right, just finally, before I let you go and sell some some fanzines, it's a nice a nice design, actually. Um. <laughs>
3: Dean Henderson this
1: season compared to last season because I think every all of us have recognised his form at Sheffield United. We've seen him at Grimsby as well. And he's clearly a really talented keeper. But has he handled with the the step-up to the Premier League from someone who watches him week in, week out?
3: Yeah, I mean, honestly, he's terrible. You should offload him straight away. Um, we'll take him for however little you want. Um, he'll never make it. <laughs> no, honestly, he is... It's the way that he stepped up and also the way that he fronts his mistakes I think is absolutely class. I mean, obviously Wilder got a lot of bad press for, for his dinosaur tactics of coming out and outing him after the Liverpool mistake. But look, at the end of, towards the end of last season, we were 3-0 up at Aston Villa, um, 10 minutes to go, and we drew 3-3. And it all came from the first goal being a Dean Henderson mistake. And then after that, it just it completely shocked us. We drew 3-3, but we went on an unbelievable run after that because Wilder came out and he had a go at his players. Stevens on the pitch had a go at... Henderson. Henderson walked over and he apologized to the fans. And you could just, it's the way that he never looks to blame anyone else. Now, I always think, as an England international, Jordan Pickford, I think if you watch him, he's very quick to scream at his defenders if something goes wrong. Um, he never looks at himself, he never makes a mistake, Jordan Pickford, according to himself. Whereas, you know, Dean Henderson recognizes he's young, he's got to learn, he's going to make mistakes, and his mistakes are going to usually lead to a goal. Um, so, yeah, so it's the way that he handles that and the way that he takes everything on board and makes it better Um, but yeah I mean even down to his the one thing I was mowed about with Henderson is his distribution and that has just skyrocketed it's so much better this season uh, which is great
1: He he, he just seems to be loved by Shrewsbury fans Grimsby fans Sheffield United fans and hopefully in the future Manchester United fans as well but do you think he'll end up staying at Sheffield United in the future?
3: No I mean you know he's He clearly knows where he wants to go. He clearly wants to play for Man U in England. Um, And we get that. And and like I I was touching on earlier, it's the support that... You know, the fans, the terraces give these bunch of players, you know, to go out to their international teams, pick up their goals, pick up their first appearances. It's that genuine pride that we have in our players that makes them want to play for us and makes us really get behind them when times are hard. So, no, I don't think he's going to be around here forever. Um, probably not even next season. You know, I'd, I'd love him to be, obviously, but we know his desires his dreams his aspirations are playing for Man U and do you know what I think a lot of us actually want that to happen for him because that's you know that is the unity that we've got at this family club it's a, it's a
1: testament to the club um, good luck selling your fanzine it's a nice a nice dry day um, on, a, on a Sunday afternoon it's not quite a, a Tuesday or a Thursday night in the rain so um, thank you for coming on the podcast no appreciate it thank you Sheffield United have just gone up at Bramble Lane. It's, uh, it's dark already. The away is absolutely packed. They don't, they don't seem to be able to deal with how many people they've sold tickets to. There's people left in the concourse. We've only just managed to squeeze through. And Sheffield United have gone somehow one and up about two minutes after we find him in way in City of Um We'll see where it goes from here. But i a lot angry Sheffield United fans telling us there's only one United as we sold the fans in outside we showing which one that is it's half time, Sheffield United are winning 1-0 United have been terrible disjointed no connection between any of the players we're playing three at the back two wing backs two strikers in Marshall and Rashford James is there as well but nothing's working, nothing's coming off no decisions going United's way but it's, it, you can't blame anyone but the but the team it's been a, a shocking first half and United have to improve significantly in the second half even to get a draw out of this, let alone a win the United have got Matt through a, a beautiful hit strike from Brandon Williams there wasn't much hope in this game but I, I was given it Nice agreements just come on, we'll see what happens. United have just equalised from absolutely nowhere. The away had finally picked up. There's people flying everywhere. fountain by Sheffield station, which I'm sitting by. Goes up some steps. I'm eating a a pretty terrible chicken burger from a pretty shit chicken shop in Sheffield to try and drown my sorrows. I've had to drown it in mayonnaise, and I am drowning my sorrows. It's a tricky one. What a what a ridiculous game. What a, an amazing game of, of Premier League football, of quality and inconsistency from United. Scorers of United's three goals—all academy boys: Greenwood, Rashford, and Williams. We were we were terrible for 70 minutes, perhaps even 80, 85 minutes, but we were we were brilliant, unstoppable for five or ten. And it was kind of a feeling of disbelief. Maybe even more so than celebration when that third goal went in. The, the equaliser was big scenes of celebration and then the third went in and I, I think Rashford scored it and it it was people were looking round as if to say what the fuck has just happened here and this was in a way end, which was which was shocking in the first half it was much like United's performance the away end was disjointed wasn't functioning very well there weren't very many songs Sheffield United got a reasonably early goal but half of the United fans weren't in there to see it because of the stewards not letting them in because so many people had jibbed it in. And this was a, a an away in that everyone wanted to be in, and yet the first half was terrible. Um, and then suddenly, it erupted in the in the second half. Brandon Williams scored a, a really good finish, and then United just kind of went. And then the second goal goes in, and there's there's people flying across each other's shoulders, falling down rows, all the all the all the things that happen in a away end when there's just something. United do something ridiculous and I think the weird thing of this United side is that perhaps not weird actually is we're often poor, sometimes really encouraging, sometimes really frustrating and always inconsistent within games, from game to game, from season to season and this game was uh, the perfect demonstration of that. We went from, I mean, before Brandon Williams scored that, got that goal back for United, David De Gea was man of the match for United but only because he went and took a fucking throw in and, and tried to speed things up for, <laughs> for the team um, the only one to do that So and then, and then suddenly we we were we were 3-2 up it, it was so quick and so good and, and just as Brandon Williams was about to pull back and score United first I turned to and one of the United we stand sellers we spoke to before the game and said I'd be happy with a 2-1 loss here and then suddenly Williams is scoring and I'm falling down a couple of rows and and within a few minutes from there, we, we were winning and the away end was bouncing. And But just as quick as it erupted, they were back level with a, a controversial VR goal, which has, has been drawing some frustration from United fans outside the, the away end at Bramwell Lane. It might have been Hamble, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen the replay, but I'm not going to get a fucking protractor out and to try and decide whether it was or not. And that's what VAR is doing. Even if it has got the right intentions. And I think the thing with that game is it's just no excusing the, the terrible, terrible start United's had to it. On the other hand, Solskjaer's first two subs changed the game for United. He shouldn't have started Phil Jones. He did. Um, and it was a rare one where he didn't get it right from the start, but he did at half-time. Normally, it's been the other way around. And then his final sub turn it back towards turn the momentum back towards Sheffield United by bring on Twanzabet. And I, I understood it, I still understand it. I I I get where he was coming from, why he thought United needed to bring on another defender. Because Sheffield United will bring on strikers. We were playing a midfielder, Fred Pereira, certainly not a solid one. Um and and they scored. We'll see. I'll I'll see if I can find a replay of the of the handball on the train when I get on it in <clears throat> about ten minutes. But Whatever, whatever the the decision on that, whether it was handball or not, United shouldn't have given their opposition a, ch- a chance to get into that, uh, to get that equaliser. To to be two 0 down and then go three two up is is an incredible feat. One that a lot of teams wouldn't be able to do at, at any point. United did it and then gave it away. And, and this United side just cannot protect one 0 leads. We've seen it against Southampton. Um, we've we've seen us draw level against Crystal Palace and then go behind against Wolves. We were leading and then. Went behind. There, there are many more. Arsenal, Liverpool. It's, it's happened so many times this season. A one-goal lead in this United side is, is so perilous, so dangerous. It's, it's not something you can trust in. Um, there was one great fact, and that's that Mason Greenwood is the first player younger than iTunes to score in the Premier League, which is, is crazier. And he was, I mean, he, he came on and had an impact, and that's all you can ask for from Mason Greenwood. I thought the interesting thing is that is that Martial was, was really, really bad in the first half, in the second half, throughout the game until he went off. He, w- he was terrible, and, and he didn't do anything to, to encourage United forward. He didn't do anything to, to change the game for United. And when Mantony Martial is bad, United are bad, and, and we've just seen that. Um, he is the player that came in against Norwich, against Chelsea, and changed the way that United play. They, they had Rashford on the left, James on the right, and things started to improve. The link-up play between those three meant United was suddenly a force but when Martial is bad the rest of the team just cannot do it um, and the other thing is that, is that it, I'll, I'll probably look back on, on this game tomorrow and think and, and be disappointed and rightly so um, I said before the game a draw at this Sheffield United is, is something that would better what Arsenal have done um, Liverpool really struggled here as well lots of teams have struggled here but United should have won that game there's, there's, there's no doubt about that to go 3-2 up and give it away is it, terrible and it shouldn't be seen as a positive, um, but I think the thing I'll, I'll, I'll look back on tomorrow is that Sheffield United had a, a far more sophisticated tactical setup than United. They were they were well trained, well drilled in in how they were playing. They knew how they were playing, and their, and their movement just United couldn't deal with it. And United have had that sometimes when they've played Martial, Rashford, and James. They've, other teams just haven't been able to deal with it, but. They couldn't deal with Sheffield United. And I think this is a thing that... Uh, I, I absolutely think Solskjaer is the right man carrying on. And I think he's doing things at United that other managers wouldn't. And I don't think there are many other, if any, managers who could come in and, and, and make this United team title challenges within two years. I just I, I, I don't see it. And yet, he, there is clearly some limitations to him as, as a football manager, not as Manchester United manager. Because if he was at any other top club, he wouldn't have the knowledge of, of what this club should be, the attitudes at this club. He wouldn't be making those little changes to Manchester United to try and bring back the success because that's where he's been successful himself. It's the little things. And we saw today that, that Chris Wilder from the start outsmarted him as a manager. Um, so a, a really strange game, an absolutely ridiculous game. Um, Halftime was was depressing, and then when they scored after that was 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 even more so. And it was, it was everything from the from the away into the team on the pitch was disjointed and, and unimpressive. And then the second half for 10 ten fifteen minutes it was absolutely incredible. And when we were three 2 up, it felt like it did when when Solskjaer was in that magic patch when he first came in. It really was, and, and there was a new United song going that the Red Army have been trying to start with here we go, MUFC, a, a European feel to it. And it was, it was ringing around Bramall Lane after the Sheffield United fans have been, have been going all game. And then suddenly there was just that final blow. So it's a, it's a really interesting one. And, and the reaction will be, as it has been with most United this, this, games this season, the reaction will be very much mixed. There will be fans who are, who are deeply unhappy, there will be fans who were at the game who thought, fucking hell this was that was absolutely magical for about 10 minutes and who uh, who were absolutely buzzing and then suddenly brought back down to earth and that's the nature of football um but United a ninth that's terrible we're almost in December we're so, we're so close to Christmas or I should say we're not close at all to Christmas but there are fancy and cantonars and jingle bells and you know, there was one thing and, and, and the bells are ringing out for John O'Shea which I don't think is quite good going in the away end yet or at home um but we're nearing Christmas and United are uh, in mid-table and that's not good enough and we'll, and we'll see how long the, the board stick with that. Um, as, much as, as much as we love Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and think he's doing many things right, have the board got the balls to, to carry on with this, to stick it out, to back him and to, and to see where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer takes us? I'm back in Manchester now, just walking down from Piccadilly past the, the Mount Maison and... Gonna jump on a bus back to Fatherfield. Um I've watched the the highlights or well I've watched the goals on the on the train. Uh, managed to do so despite some shit signal. And three three fucking brilliant finishes from three Manchester United Academy products and we could have lost that game six three and I'd still be delighted with that fact. Because that's a relevant result. It's a relevant, the performance is the fact that you've got an 18-year-old, and a 19-year-old, and a 22-year-old, Mancunin, a scoring for Manchester United. Um, and that's, that's special no matter what. Also, we were good for seven minutes. <laughs> so a lot of things to improve on but at the same time there is something about this Manchester United side there is something there and that's probably the most annoying thing is <laughs> that so you know there's something there you're waiting for it to to move into place to make us move forward it's not happened so far but under a soldier with these kids something could happen Um, It can be really fun to watch, it can be a really good United team and we can cause teams a lot of problems and we can race to score three goals within the space of nine minutes. So, for now, as I walk past the, the Christmas lights of Piccadilly Gardens, you've got to stick by Ole Gunnar you've got to stick by this United team because they do they do give it they are doing their best you feel from from most of them and it's possible they will be the, the team not all of them probably not Phil Jones probably not Andreas Pereira probably not quite a few of them but it's possible this is the, the makings of a team with a manager who will s- at least start United back on the road to success and it might not be Ole Gunnar Solskjaer who's in charge for that success it might not even be Marcus Rashford scoring the goals when United win their next Premier League title but I'm reasonably positive that United are not necessarily moving in completely the right direction closer to the road to success than they were a year ago or two years ago faith anniversary issue of United we stand on sale today outside Bramwell Lane a lot of nice people coming up and buying them supporting the mag and and, uh, enjoying it over the course of the game and on the train back. A lot of Sheffield United fans coming out with all sorts in their first season back in the Premier League after 12 years. But there you go. There's only one United.
0: Stat was Harry there from Sheffield and from Manchester. Cheers to everyone who bought the mag outside Bramall Lane, it was uh, pretty airy for the lads, they didn't say it on the podcast, but they got quite a lot of abuse, and were confronted several times, and that's not great, so I'm on my way to Astana now, completely jet-lagged, I had an hour's sleep, and I'm in Seoul, South Korea, and Heading towards Tashkent, Uzbekistan and then to Kazakhstan and Astana for the game on Thursday. So we'll give you a podcast from now. I'm not even sure how we can record it given the temperatures are so cold and we pride ourselves on recording live outside the ground. I'm going to try. I think there's 150 reds going. And obviously most of the time will be spent inside. But the new mag, uh, was if you subscribe, it was posted out on Saturday from Manchester it will be in the newsagents on, on Wednesday in the UK Thursday in in Ireland and it, it will it's ready to download the digital edition as of midnight on Sunday so enjoy it and we'll be bringing the next podcast from Astana I don't know when we're going to upload it because I'll probably leave the stadium at one in the morning and I've got a flight at five o'clock in the morning so I need a fast Wi-Fi connection from from somewhere, and gotta be at Stana. But the cups aren't the problem this season for Manchester United. It's these league games, lack of away wins, lack of wins, lack of points, disappointing league position. Things have got to pick up, and I think they will. But there's, the team have got to, be more incons- got to be more consistent, and even within matches. And I spoke to Oli Gunnar a couple of weeks ago, and came away encouraged by his determination. It was off the record, so he could really sort of say what he truly felt. He's got a very clear plans on what he wants to do to sort the team out and the club out, and didn't look under pressure at all to me. Well, he's like he's absolutely loving it. But he'll be judged by results, and as exciting as that, those three goals were at Sheffield. Almost as exciting as the last time three goals were scored at Sheffield in a 3-0 draw. Remember that? Well, that team was on the way to winning the league in 93. So far off with this team, but as has been pointed out a couple of times on the podcast, I do think there's something there. It just needs to be much better overall, and I think we should stick by him. I think he's got to get another summer transfer window, bring another three players in, get rid of the couple of players who he doesn't want. And he's told me he's got very clear ideas of the lads he wants. And, and the lads who doesn't, and hopefully see an improvement, because it's, it's Manchester United, and shouldn't be ninth in the table. Anyway, until Astana, goodbye.